Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. We're really excited to talk about some interesting topics with you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the link between how you feel emotionally at work and how you feel in your well-being. But before we get going with that, how's your day been going so far, Patricia? It's going pretty well. Um, we're actually recording at a slightly different time today than we normally do. We usually record in the afternoons and early evening for Katina, and today it's early-ish for me. It's around 10 a.m., so hasn't gotten too crazy just yet. Um, you know, got lots of client work going on this morning, but it's been pretty good. It's it's a little bit foggy and cloudy outside, so it feels like a cozy day and want to cuddle up. Um, but instead I'm working. <laughs> that sounded you? like, like a profanity. Cause you were like, it, it's a little bit foggy and cloudy, but it sounded like you said fogging cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> it was slight profanity. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what was going on here. It's those stupid clouds. I'd be angry. <laughs> it's so early in the morning for you. And yet you're so hostile already. <laughs> <laughs> don't have good control of my emotions over here <laughs> the reason that we're recording at a different time just so everyone knows is because we had like joint co-founder sleepless night even though we were in separate places and we had different <laughs> reasons for it so um we talked about sleep a while ago on the blog but we did not do like a great job of sleeping ourselves last or two nights ago and so patricia was tired and i was really tired and um we decided to reschedule to today so we can be nice and chipper. And I did get a good, <laughs> I did get a good night of sleep last night. So I'm feeling very, and I drank lots of coffee. So I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Good. Yeah. I feel much better this morning too. Last night, I guess two nights ago, like you said, I don't know what it was. Like I wasn't doing anything different. I didn't sit on my phone like we talked about in a previous episode doing any work stuff I just could not fall asleep it was just one of those days where you have those like weird nights when for some reason you just can't sleep I think my mind was just racing and I tried to calm it down I even did a little mini mindfulness exercise in bed Ooh. hoping to get my mind into sleep mode and it didn't work I just failed all over the place that night it was very sad yeah so sometimes we fail at things like this too um but it's a work <laughs> in progress it's a work in progress yes, we are well, a work I'm in glad, progress I'm glad we're feeling more energetic today and <laughs> yeah all that stuff it's good and you've had an exciting day I mean your yeah. house sold yeah our house sold um so that's exciting because it's like not that fun to have a mortgage and a rent at the same time. So I'm pretty <laughs> excited about that. Um, yeah, so the household and I also got um, two revise and resubmits on papers this morning. So I'm happy about that too. Yay. Yay. Do you want to explain what that is to yeah. people that don't know? Yeah. So it's like when you write a manuscript for a like a peer reviewed journal, like the journal articles that we review on this podcast, you submit it and then it gets sent to blind reviewers and they give you feedback um, on your manuscript and it usually takes a few months. And if they like it, but they think it needs work, which like it always will need work, then they give you what's called a revise and resubmit, meaning you have the opportunity to revise it in alignment with their comments and resubmit it. Um, and sometimes more times than not, papers get rejected. So getting a revise and resubmit is very exciting because um, it's the 
it's the infrequent outcome as opposed to the frequent outcome um, in this process. So, uh, so I got two and I was really excited for that. Congratulations. Thanks. It's a good day. We might be talking about those articles then. Once that would be in. fun. That would be really yeah. fun. Yeah. One of them, one of them is definitely very wellness focused. Actually, they're both kind of wellness focused. Surprising. So surprising yeah. that you would write Shocking. papers that are wellness focused. <laughs> I mean, no one knows that I have an interest in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So why don't we start talking about yes. the article then? Um, okay. What did you read for us today? So the article that I'm going to be talking about today is called Willing and Able to Fake Emotions, A Closer Examination of the Link Between Emotional Dissonance and Employee Well-Being. And it's from the Journal of Applied Psychology and it's published in 2010. And it's by Doug Pugh, Marcus Groth, and Thorsten hennig Thorow. Um, And so basically we're going to be talking about the way that you manage your emotions at work and what that has to do with your well-being. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I think everyone experiences emotions in the workplace. So I think this is obviously a very relevant topic to pretty much everybody. What were the key takeaways, the main things that you would want to share with us? Yeah. So here's what I want everybody to know, and then we'll dive into the details. So basically, on a regular basis at work, people have to use emotions um, to communicate with other people, whether that be customers, uh, coworkers, supervisors, etc. Um, a lot of the interactions that we have with people at work have a lot at stake for our careers and for our personal identity, things of that nature. So um, they involve emotions, whether those are positive emotions or negative emotions. And if you feel emotions inside of you that you can't express to other people, so um, in this study, it was particularly with regard to customers. If you're dealing with customer and you're really not happy, but you have to act happy towards the customer, when you act differently than you feel, it makes you less satisfied with your job and it makes you exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Um, so it's pretty much a bad thing to have to act in a way that you don't actually feel. Um, and I'll talk about why that is in a little bit. Um, but there are a couple of things that make that link even stronger which is if you're a person who feels particularly strongly about being authentic at work to yourself which um, based on the data in this study a lot of the people in the study the average was pretty high felt strongly about being authentic at work or if you feel like you don't know good mechanisms for separating the emotions that you're feeling at work versus the emotions that you have to display at work. So basically, we're going to be talking through how you can feel better about your skills in doing that and also um, the ways in which you can cope with this if being authentic at work is important to you as it is to many people. Okay. So that, that makes sense. So it sounds like you fake your emotions, you feel tired. I think everyone can relate to that idea. I mean, just think about if you have a, a client that's really angry, a customer that's really angry, you have to be nice to them. Um, you're obviously feeling not so happy in that moment, but you have to fake it. And then you're going to feel really tired if you have a lot of these negative interactions where you're having to still be very positive. I mean, just generally, if it's a negative, you're going to have exhaustion anyways. But um, if you have to show an emotion that you don't feel, you're going to feel more tired. And then you're saying that if you are a person that really wants to be authentic, but then can't be, that's even worse. Yeah, I think that, you know, we've talked about authenticity on the blog before. And um, 
it's actually problematic for people to feel like they can't be themselves at work. Um, whether that's from, you know, an identity perspective, like I just want people to know the real me, or if that's from an emotional perspective, like I'm feeling a certain way right now and I'd like to be able to express that. So authenticity generally to a lot of people is really important. So I think that that's kind of an interesting finding within this particular article is like, what do you do if you're a person who really likes to be authentic with other people at work or at home? And how do you manage that when your workplace is basically asking you to show emotions that you don't really feel? So I think that that's kind of the crux of it is like, how do you manage those two competing um, forces? You want to be good at your job, but you also want to be yourself. Do they have any tips in this article as to how to deal with that? Or Yeah. Yeah. So basically um, what happens from a psychological perspective, um, when you're acting in a way that is not aligned with how you feel, is that you experience what they call emotional dissonance, which basically just means that how you feel and how you act are not aligned. But this can cause cognitive dissonance, which is like if you like journey with me into your brain, um, a, jour- <laughs> a journey into the brain, um, but <laughs> like the magic school bus or something. But um, <laughs> But yeah, so hop on. <laughs> come with Miss Frizzle. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> if you if you go into your brain and think about what's happening, basically everybody, um, some people more strongly than other people, but everybody has a sort of sense of who they are as a person, what's important to them, what they value, etc. And I'm sure that we've all been in situations where you feel that that's threatened. Like there are you hold a value very strongly and there are people around you that are behaving in a way that's not in alignment with that value and you feel some pressure to conform to that or um, you're talking with somebody and they're expressing themselves in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable because it's not the way that you would choose to express yourself. Um, All of those situations create some kind of a dissonance for you so that you feel like what I want to do and what's happening around me or what I am doing as a person is not in alignment with what I really want to be doing. And that can actually be really distressing. So sort of the underlying root reason that this is important to people um, is because people don't like that feeling of acting uh, differently than how they feel. It creates like a threat to yourself. Like if if I'm behaving in this way, but I don't believe that I'm that kind of person, then what information does that tell me about myself? Um, So it can be distressing because you feel like, wow, who am I really if I'm acting this way, but I know that that's not really what I believe in or how I feel. So underlyingly, this like cognitive dissonance is super distressing. And so there has to be ways that you can relieve that cognitive dissonance. So um, just some quick tips of how to do that that we can dig further into. For example, like you might want to have to um, think about why you're acting differently in a different way. Um, So change your underlying reason for acting differently. Or you might need to uh, blow off some steam after doing that and reconnect with the parts of yourself that you really do value um, and try to rationalize why you acted that way. Or you might just change the way that, you know, you might change your value or change who you are to align with the way that you're behaving. So there are different ways that people cope with that, but basically you have to make up for that discrepancy somehow. So let's back up. Let's back up the bus a little bit. Um, Cause I think we need some examples because I think this yep. concept is very big and really important. And I think that we're um, yeah, I think we need to think about how we can 
talk about some examples to make it really resonate because I think it's something that we can easily get lost in. Yeah. Um, the bus can get lost in the brain and we're not sure what's going on. <laughs> no, um, bring bus, no. Come back. No, we want the bus to be on track. Um, so we talked about the emotion piece, right? Like if you're feeling sad and you can't show it um, you ha- and you have to be happy, right? So that's a very a good example for what we kind of were talking about in the workplace, like where you might not be able to show the way you're feeling. And that's, I think, um, a good example, but I think it's not as deep as the cognitive dissonance piece that you were mentioning. So do you have any examples off the top of your head that would kind of align to what you described there? Yeah. So let's say I'm a person who really values relationships and I feel very strongly about like being good friend to other people and being kind to other people. But I'm in a job where basically my entire job is that I have to like fire people, let's say, Um, or I have, I'm in a job where the organization is really competitive and I'm encouraged to kind of like undercut other people to get ahead. Um, In that kind of an environment, it would be really difficult for me to um, make sense of why I would behave in a competitive way or not build good relationships with people when in my life I might be really focused on building those positive collaborative relationships. So I may go along with that in the organization and say, well, you know, if I don't behave that way, then I won't be able to, for example, have the opportunity to get to the top of the organization and try to change the culture from the top down, let's say. So maybe that's the way you rationalize it to yourself. I can play this game and create bigger change if I put that off to the side but my ultimate goal down the line is to try to change the culture as a leader or you might be able to say okay well I used to think that building collaborative relationships was really important but maybe I need to start to learn how to value these more competitive relationships so you might actually change your underlying value to match your behavior so there are sort of different ways that people can relieve that tension Um, they might either change the way that they think about it overall or they can change their rationalization for it I'm not going to change my value but I'm going to think about how I can enact that value in a different way Um, so uh, that's that's sort of a two main ways that people might relieve that tension Okay. That's helpful. That's helpful. So I really value teamwork and collaboration, but I'm in an environment that doesn't let me do that. So I feel that struggle because I don't like being competitive. And so now I can adjust the way I think about my behavior to, to help me deal with that uncomfort, that discomfort with being more competitive than I think that I am. Yep. Exactly. Um, So the whole idea is that I, something that I'm doing is not what I want to be doing or not aligned with who I think I am. And I need to fix that so that I don't feel the stress behind it. Exactly. Yep. And you can fix it by either changing the way that you think about yourself or you can change it by, you can fix it by changing the way that you think about the behavior that you're engaging in and rationalizing it as actually part of a longer term game or another way of getting to the value that you, that you currently have. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I think that example is really good because you're right. If somebody is very collaborative and they're in a competitive environment, you either have to start thinking, okay, well this building relationships in a competitive environment is different and I can be competitive and this is how it still makes me build relationships or just different kinds of relationships or I'm going to fix this eventually. I'm going to work my way up to the top and I'm going to make sure that we can be a little bit friendlier, nicer, kinder, and more collaborative as an organization. 
Um, Absolutely. So I think those are yep. two good examples. And then, I mean, the, the third one is you get out of that situation. Yes. Yeah. So you can also remove yourself from the situation and find a different role or a different company that better aligns with your values. So that's certainly one option to to go with or better aligns with um, asking you to behave in ways that you feel is actually aligned with your own um, personal feelings. Um, so I think that, yeah, that's always an option, although um, depending upon what the job market looks like and, um, you know, what your mobility might be, um, it may not always be an option that people can take. So while you're in that job role, um, it is good to understand some tactics for coping with um, this kind of disconnect between how you're acting and what you're feeling. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's not always something you do immediately. Um, it may not be something you can do at all, so you have to adjust accordingly. But if you have the opportunity to leave and get yourself an environment that's more aligned with your values and and so you can be more authentic, um, that's something to consider as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also important to think about, you know, the extent to which Uh, You know, if you're feeling really tired on a regular basis, you're not happy with your job, particularly if you interact with customers a lot, although you can have these same clashes um, with coworkers, um, supervisors, et cetera, the biggest area in which people are asked by companies to sort of act differently um, than maybe their feeling is usually with regard to customer service. And you can think about customers really broadly. Like if you're a teacher, your students um, can cause that same kind of disconnect. Um, if you are working in a retail job, that's a direct customer. But Patricia, like you're a consultant, clients are your customer. Um, so you can think about the idea of a customer pretty broadly. Um, anybody that you interact with who's sort of external to your organization could count as a customer. I was going to say even external to your team. So if you're in HR, the rest of the employee population could be your customer. Yep. Or leadership yeah. or whoever. Absolutely. Yeah. So just thinking about, you know, when you're serving other people in the organization, there's some sort of rules for how you're supposed to act. Like, you know, some companies will be like, oh, the customer's always right. Or, um, you know, these are this is a script that you need to follow when you're talking to customers. Um, all of those kinds of things sort of create a situation in which, um, you know, employees might feel kind of constrained for how they can react to situations. Um, so yeah, I think that although this is more likely to happen when you're dealing with customers, if you think about customers pretty broadly, it relates to most jobs. Most people have somebody that they're serving within the job that the company would probably have something to say about how they treat that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. So in terms of this study with what you were talking about with the emotional dissonance or the, you know, not being able to show your feelings. Let's kind of dive into the results a little bit more because I just want to know a little more as to what they found, how that links to emotional exhaustion and, um, and what we can do about that. Yeah. So basically what they found is during the period of time in which you feel really strongly that you're acting in a way that doesn't align with your values. So kind of the period of time where you're starting to realize like, oh no, I need to do something to fix this, but you haven't fixed it yet. That feeling of having that not fixed creates a lot of tiredness and it makes you not like your job as much. So if you think about like the mental energy that you have to use to sort of continue to like suppress your feelings and act in a different way, it makes you really, really tired. And in in some instances, there are some people who 
think of their job as almost like separate from their lives, a smaller number of people than people who don't think of it that way. But there are some people who find it more natural than others to sort of say, okay, this is my work persona and this is my life persona. Um, And I can sort of more easily switch between the two. But for some people, they feel like they have a really strong need to be consistent across work and life. um, And they don't want to have to make that switch. And that's more people than people who feel that really strong separation in personas. Um, So particularly for people who feel really linked to who they are at a deep level and want to live that out at work, um, it makes them extra tired and extra dissatisfied with their job when they're feeling that discrepancy. So it's particularly important, like if you're a person listening that feels like you really want to be authentic at work, show your true self, um, which is going to be most people listening, um, then it's really important to think about ways in which you can create that alignment between what you're doing and how you're behaving. And there are some things that companies can do to make that easier for you, but there are also some things that you can do to make it easier. So basically what they found is that um, if you feel more equipped to display those emotions in a way that is effective. So um, if I don't feel equipped to really understand what it is that the company even wants from me and I'm sort of like asked to react but I also like don't have a lot of it's more of an ambiguous thing for me to think about like okay I can't react the way that I want to but I also don't know how to formulate a really good response to this because it's not natural for me um that makes the situation even more stressful so one thing that you can do in this situation is get clarity on like exactly how does the organization want me to respond um and also sharing tips with other people that you're working with so like how do you deal with this discrepancy between how you're feeling and how you're acting to get tips between um from other other people about things that they say to customers when this pops up how they deal with it and also creating some of that like camaraderie with your colleagues to share those experiences can help to decrease that burden and make it more comfortable for you so you're not also you're not stressed about having to fake your emotion but also on top of it having to come up with some inauthentic response on the spot that makes sense because if you're with your coworkers, if you're working with other people that are also feeling this kind of um force that makes them be a little bit inauthentic sometimes then you feel like you have a team behind you right like you're not alone you're not the only person that feels like oh I don't feel this way but I have to show it and therefore I have this stress if everybody else is doing that then it kind of kind of feel like okay well as a team we know this is a goal this is a project this is something that we have to do we have to show this emotion in this situation but we all have to do it so we can kind of support each other, help each other deal with that. And then it's not like I'm the only person that has a disconnect. Everybody else has a disconnect. That's part of what we're doing. And we understand that at a deeper level versus just coping with that feelings of um, dissonance that we've talked about already internally just on your own. Yeah. And that's part of that, like fixing it uh, piece that we were talking about before, like helping yourself to reframe it. Um, So, Knowing that you're not alone in feeling that dissonance, reframing it as like, this is what it is to be part of this team or part of this organization. And I might value my coworkers. So maybe one way to reframe it is, well, I'm not acting exactly the way that I want towards my customers, but I have positive relationships with my coworkers that allow me to be a little bit more authentic or to share that part of that like group identity. And so I'm willing to sacrifice 
I'm being um, not as in tune with my feelings when I'm working with customers because I do feel like I can have some of that authenticity in other areas of my work or it allows me to be a part of a team that I value. So that's like part of that can be part of that reframing process. Mm -hmm. So you're basically thinking, okay, well, I can be authentic here. Maybe after this horrible interaction with a customer where I had to be inauthentic, I can go to my my coworker and talk to them about it and tell them what happened and be authentic in that moment and share what my authentic feelings and experience was in that moment that I couldn't share with the customer. And then it also sounds like there's a piece around kind of broader goals. Like if you value your team, you value your coworkers and you don't, you know, you don't want to hurt anybody else's progress or if you really care about where the progress is going with the, with your team, then you want to do well so that that you can do so that you can meet those goals so that the whole team can achieve what they're trying to achieve so you're you're kind of giving an explanation for your behavior your behavior is the way it is because you want to meet your team's goals and it matters to you because of the relationships that you have in your team yeah so learning and connecting with coworkers better ways to deal with it is one way to help yourself like reframe and as you're saying the other way is to say okay well what is it that I'm actually trying to achieve here? So for example, if you work in the cable industry and you're dealing all day long with customers calling you saying that, you know, their cable's not working, their internet's not working or whatever the, the case may be, that can be really frustrating for you to deal with on the phone. And you may not be able to cut down on the fact that customers might call you angry and upset. And um, you may have to, for some periods of time, fake that. But if you can think about like, well, what are the broader implications of what we're doing? So like, what does having access to the internet do for people's lives? And how does it connect people to one another? And what are some things that customers can share about what, what that means to them? So while you're dealing with the angry customer, you can be thinking about, well, my response to that customer being friendly and nice um, helps our company to achieve the goal of doing something broader. So you can also reframe why you're doing it to align with your values as opposed to like, hey, this person's making me mad. And so what I'd like to do is react in a mad way back, but instead saying, well, that might feel better in the moment. But what's really aligned with my values is making sure that our customer is happy because that allows my organization to reach a goal that I believe in. Um, so you can also reframe the way that you think about it so that your behaviors no longer feel inauthentic. They actually are aligned with a broader value. It's just not the minute to minute sort of reactive kind of emotions that um, would feel good if you were only thinking about authenticity in that way and not in a broader way. Yeah, I can. I was kind of thinking about healthcare um, as a random example that popped in my head as you were talking because it seems similar. Sometimes you'll get in a situation where, you know, if you're in the healthcare industry, people come in, they're in pain, they're upset about something or other, and they might not be the nicest to you. But obviously what you're doing is important, right? You're trying to take care of somebody's health. You're trying to help them feel better or their friend feel better or whoever that you're seeing or, or having to help out, you know, the same with like claims, like, right? Like if you're in claims for insurance with healthcare. People are frustrated. They're having to pay a lot of money when they've, they're obviously what service they got is very important and they probably needed it for, you know, whatever issue that they're trying to resolve. And so they might get frustrated with certain things that are going on with the insurance companies or, you know, all those types of every business around healthcare. I think there's some level of frustration that people are going to have because of, you know, maybe not getting service as fast as they want or just 
just from being in pain or having to pay when you know it's a life or death thing like there's so many things that come into it but if you're thinking about your goal more broadly like if I'm in ER and someone comes in and they're very angry because they're in pain and they're not being seen as fast as they want like you can understand that this person needs their health addressed if you're in claims you can also try to understand that more broadly like this person has just gone through something serious and they're talking to you about what they have to pay and how they can manage that and that's not necessarily what they want to be doing like they have to manage their health like this is an like an additional component to the system that's not their favorite and yeah it sucks if you have to talk to that customer and that that patient that's not happy but you and the way you treat that person can help them cope with whatever they're dealing with you know if you're going to be kind to them and considerate and try to work with them then that patient even if they're really frustrated and upset can at least have that little bit of kindness to help them through whatever they're going through so I think if you think about that broader picture, I think that really can help you a lot because you want to make sure most people, I think, want other people to be doing well, right? No one's wishing, you know, poor health on someone or financial issues or whatever it might be. So if you're interacting with customers that are angry because of those situations, um, thinking about how your business and what your role is can actually try to at least alleviate some of that pressure and pain a tiny bit can probably help you be a little bit more, I mean, honestly, authentic in your emotions because then what you're showing is not based in the fact that you're trying to cover up your anger, but based in the fact that you're trying to help this other person. Yeah. So, um, when you can change the way that you're thinking about why it actually changes the way that you're thinking about the emotion that you're displaying so that it no longer feels inauthentic to you. So, um, so you can actually change if you're feeling like a lot of the emotions you're expressing are inauthentic because in the moment you would like to say X to angry customer, but you can't, um, exactly what you're saying, thinking about like in healthcare is a great example, um, or, you know, whatever your industry might be like, well, why is it that displaying the emotion in this way is actually useful to a value that I do hold, whether that's caring for others, um, or whether that's, you know, uh, contributing to other people's financial wellness or whatever the case may be that you can think about it that way. And then if you can make that switch in your mind, you actually eliminate the dissonance and you no longer have the negative job satisfaction effects or the exhaustion effects. So the goal is kind of to do that um, instead mm -hmm. of coming up with, um, you know, instead of uh, coping with the dissonance, the goal is to actually get rid of it. Yeah. So it sounds like this is really important for employees to do, but also for organizations, managers, leaders to think about because exhaustion obviously impacts performance on the job. Um, uh, besides just Im impacting the employee's personal well-being, uh, but also that job satisfaction piece. You know, the, if people are happy in their jobs, if they're feeling satisfied in their work, they're also going to be performing better overall. They're going to be more dedicated and more focused, and they're going to be putting in more effort. So as a company, you should really think about the interactions that your employees have with the different customers, clients, whoever it might be, and how you can help them see the purpose of that interaction and why their emotional display matters and why it needs to be a certain way. And I think if you can keep bringing that message to your employees um, and helping them understand why you're asking what you're asking of them, you can really make an impact to make them feel 
less off less inauthentic more authentic and uh and definitely feeling kind of more happy and in tune with what they're presenting yeah yeah like what's the bigger story how can you like really motivate people to change their attitudes and not just the way that they're displaying um their emotions so instead of just like you know hey calling people out for you know you didn't display your emotions the right way even having conversations about well how are you actually feeling and um what are some of the things that you're doing to manage your emotions when you feel that way well here's how I do it um this is what I think about this is the bigger story of what we're doing to help remind people of what's important and I think if managers can do that it will facilitate so employees don't just have to come up with it on their own I mean I'm sure if you're listening to the worker being podcast you might get some of these tips but um on a on a different level you know you're you're not always going to be able to um count on the fact that every individual employee is just going to be able to do this for themselves without that knowledge so any way that you can facilitate it is good agreed and i think policies from a company perspective too you know you can do something about this in onboarding you know if you have some sort of orientation you can have I mean, obviously, most people in orientation, most companies will do some sort of like, this is our mission, this is our vision, blah, 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 you should buy into it. But you could also actually explain certain examples as to why the way you interact with these customers matters. You can do some sort of simple little trainings or refreshers or communication, maybe even have a customer share their story. You know, hey, I called um, this claims line when I was dealing with cancer and this is the way I behaved but it, what made my day was that this the person on the phone did xyz so I think that those kinds of stories and things that resonate really um, are things that you can remember are important because I think if you come into orientation you see it one time like that's great you're early in the job you're like kind of all excited about everything anyways but a year down the road you've probably dealt with a lot of frustrating customers and you want to you know react differently now that you're in the job and you're really in it so I think you need to have these kinds of refreshers or stories or communications or whatever it is to just keep reminding people of why they're doing what they're doing Um, because some people will buy into it and go with it the whole time and other people will kind of get out of that and let their emotions take over and and feel that stress and exhaustion when really all you have to do is just kind of help them refocus again from a manager level and at an organizational level too. Yeah. And also just acknowledging that you know that emotions exist at work, that you understand that it's difficult work to try to manage those emotions. Um, and, you know, there may be some times in which, you know, it's unavoidable that a customer may be so confrontational or the issue may be so discrepant that it's difficult for the employee to rationalize. So even just giving the employee some space to vent with other employees or to vent with you as a manager to talk through it and just acknowledging that, yeah, it is difficult. Get it off your chest. Talk to me about it. Be honest in your communication about it confidential space safe space that you can share that information and then move forward at least knowing that you were able to like regain some of that authenticity with the people around you before you go back and face another customer but if the manager's not willing to consider that emotions have like any place in the organization or doesn't um, make it clear that they value that kind of authenticity in other ways then um, it can be difficult for the employee to continue moving forward without totally burning out so um 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, creating creating the safe space, acknowledging the emotions, allowing people to display that authenticity in other ways, and also wherever you can, making it clear that you know these kinds of emotions are helping us to achieve a broader goal. So people are have the tools to change the underlying reason for why they're acting that way. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's that that cultural piece, the the understanding from the manager and the employer that this is a problem. Yeah, we understand that you might feel stressed or might feel angry at a customer that's treating you a certain way, but here's how you can reframe that. Here's how you can fix that. Here's where you can vent that, or here's where you can be authentic with your coworker or your manager and talk to them about it so that you're not bottling it up all alone to yourself and getting this really awful exhaustion that the study showed. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, those are all good tips. Yay. Anything else you want to share about the article? No, I think we we covered most of it. Just if you're out there, you're feeling exhausted, you feel like you're acting in a way that you don't uh, want to be at work, um, just know that you can try to connect yourself with uh, the broader picture um, or try to gain some skills from uh, either training better from your asking for training from your manager or asking your coworkers how they cope with the same thing. Chances are that a lot of people around you feel the same way. So talking about it can help. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing that article. I think it was really interesting. I think there's a lot of really good things that people can take away. And um, I know that I deal with this from time to time, of course, too. So just really thinking about it and keeping that top of mind, um, I think will help me cope better in these situations as well. Me too. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's your turn. Um, If you want to let us know what you think, we really appreciate hearing from you. Um, You can find us on our website, which is workerbeing.com. You can email us at workerbeing at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn with at WorkerBeing. And we've just started a new Facebook group. Um, So you can find it through our WorkerBeing page where you can come in, you can ask questions, and we can respond to you. And, you know, anybody else in the group can have a conversation with you as well. So I think it's a really great place to share your tips and tricks and ask questions. So please join us there. And we look forward to sharing a new article next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.